Chapter 16 Her two brothers are peddling back to the farm as fast as they can. The jeep has passed them. She must be home, said John. They peddled on with less urgency. Now they were standing in the kitchen, everybody looking at them. Where is she? asked Lisa. We saw them bring her home in the jeep. She's not here. We have to find her, said Grandma. What have they done to her? Lisa said, heading out the door to get into the truck. Come on, she has to be along the road in the ditch somewhere. They didn't have much time. The lads jump onto the back of the truck, staying standing to get the best view. Handing some blankets across to Lisa, Grandma is now climbing into the front of the truck. They were looking for signs of broken foliage. It was not long till they saw what they were looking for. Oh God, don't let her be dead, cried Lisa. Grandma starts praying. The lads jump down off the truck and are in the ditch in moments. Throw us down a couple of blankets. She's in a very bad way, shouted John. Slowly, they lifted her out of the ditch and up onto the back of the truck where Lisa is waiting to cradle her head. Lisa's face is awash with tears. Paula is so pale and lifeless. She's losing a lot of blood seeping through her favourite dress. Even the boy's eyes are full of tears. Get her to Doc's house. Grandma starts issuing orders and everybody becomes animated. They are on their way in a moment. Slow down, she's in a lot of pain, shouted Lisa. Paula's head still on her lap. John is bringing the doc out in no time. As the doc sees it is Paula who's in trouble, he says, Oh dear God, have you not had enough troubles? Go get my stretcher. We will get her inside and make her as comfortable as we can. The boys ran into the house. Just then, Lisa sees the officer crossing the street to see what the commotion is about. They were just about to lift the stretcher off the truck when he spoke. What has happened? Everyone knew he had been with her earlier in the afternoon. Looks like some wild animals got hold of her, said Doc. The officer looked down at her. His face went red with anger. He turned on his heel and walked away without a word. Come on now, gently, gently, said Doc. The boys were finding it hard to contain themselves. She may not be a blood sister, but we love her just the same. This is not the time, said Lisa. It will come. Paula is now on Doc's plinth. Leave me to do the best I can. Go home. She will need your strength if she's to get through this. I'll come back and sit with her through the night, volunteered Lisa. No, I will need you more tomorrow. I'll have calls to make, he answered. They all did as they were asked. 
heading out into the last of the evening light. They stopped as they saw two soldiers being marched into the centre of the village square. They are forced to kneel and to keep their hands behind their head. The officer now walks across the square towards the kneeling soldiers. One by one, he shoots them in the back of the head, turns and walks away without a word. Don't worry, you'll get yours too, said Ben. Nobody contradicted him. Doc stitched what he could, gives her the little morphine he has left. He spent the night by her side, never taking his eye off her, hoping she would at least open an eye for a moment. Things were not looking good. Oh God, I feel so cold and miserable, thought Kay. I'm standing up, but not. She feels a beautiful warm glow fill her, unlike anything she has felt before. I've done it again except it's different. I am the one needing the help and healing. You are safe within me, she heard a deep, mellow voice say. Settle and be at peace for a while. I will lie down and we will sleep. We both know there is nothing to fear. When we wake, you can take your time looking around. Kay fell into a peaceful sleep. Oh God, I feel so cold and miserable, thought Kay. I'm standing up, but not. She feels a beautiful warm glow fill her, unlike anything she has felt before. I've done it again, except it's different. I'm the one needing the help and healing. You are safe within me, she heard a deep, mellow voice say. Settle and be at peace for a while. I will lie down and we will sleep a while. We both know there's nothing to fear. When we awake, you can take your time looking around. Kay fell into a peaceful sleep. When she awoke, she could look around. She is shocked at what she sees. What year is this? Asked Kay, asks Kay. You are in the ninth century. You are not the first of your family with the gift. We hope you will not be the last, said the Columban monks, monk dressed in brown, his hood up to help keep his head warm, as he stood engraving a bronze plate. Why am I here? Kay asks. You're going through a lot of strife in your life at the moment. I thought it was a good time to grow your wisdom. You will have a lot of work ahead of you. You have met Mary. She has the greater job. She will need all the support you can give. He lifts up the bronze plate, blows the loose scrapings off it and brings it to the windowless window. Then he went over to a big table, placing the finished plate on it. 
Kay loves the music she hears at least three times a day. Gloria in excelsis Deo. The monks chanting as they work out in the vegetable gardens. Who are you? Who am I within? asked Kay. Clement, the monk replied to his thoughts. I will stop working on this plate. No, don't do that, said Kay. How else will I pass on some wisdom to you, said Clement. Kay listened for hours, Clement making sure she understood the content before moving on. God is said to be essence, super essential to life. For all authority in which true reason is not endorsed, it is seen as weakness. This springs from divine wisdom. Well, that lot has gotten lost in the translation, thought Kay. So it is most important to know you are listening to the right voice, asked Kay. Yes, only then can you live life fearless. Lisa is sitting beside Paula's bed, still in Doc's house. Doc arrives back from his visits. Any change, he asks. No, she hasn't gotten any worse. She seems to be peacefully sleeping, said Lisa. How she is, I just don't understand, said Doc. Still, I've been given lots of medicine by the German officer, as she doesn't seem to need them. They'll be a great help with my other patients, said Doc. She loved that. She'd want you to get all you can, smiled Lisa. Yes, when she is well on the mend, she will act like she's dying to help to get the other's medicine, laughed Doc. There was a gentle tap on the door. The neighbour popped her head into the room. I have laid a lunch out for both of you in the kitchen table, she said. Thank you so much, Martha. Any chance you'll sit with Paula, then we can enjoy the lunch together. She is sleeping at the moment. I'll not wake her, said Martha. I only wish you could, smiled Lisa, thanking her again for the lunch. Clement lifts up a big lighted torch from the stone wall beside his stand-up desk. He walks across a large stone room and slips it into a holder on the far wall near a long wooden table. The table holds all his finished pages. On the wall, just to the side of the table, are four long wooden shelves. Kay can see clearly they have been planed from the same tree. The copper plates are piled ten high with a piece of cloth between each one, keeping them safe from scratches. All ready for printing. Kay, at last, is comfortable enough to take in her surroundings. She sees the large printing press with its flat bed and turning wheel. The press screws are tightly turned down 
leaving just enough room for the heavy rollers to press the brass plate onto a piece of parchment. It could do with some warm curtains in here, she thought. Ah, good. He doesn't seem to hear my thoughts, only my voice. Just as well, she smiled. He starts turning some pages from a section of the book. The pages stitched together with waxed thread. Kay notices she looks over at a spool of cotton thread. There is a candle on its side in a wooden cradle contraption. This is how he waxes the cotton thread to strengthen it, making it easier to use. Clement spoke out loud to her to get her attention. I am going to show you some pages that contain some information of your family. My family are in the Book of Kells. He paused and smiled. Here, here's one. See this, Clement said, pointing. It was a diamond shape filled with tiny pattern. It represents a visit from your family line, centuries ago for you, and to come for me. This one here is from when Michael Downey came from the 18th century to gather his wisdom. Clement stood up and went across to his desk. See, I have added your symbol here. It is the same but filled with your pattern. There are many, many layers within the symbols within this book, Clement smiled. Only those that visit understand the wisdom of their family symbols. One day, a family member, when the time is right, will meet in the same place and the same time with the other wisdom families. Then strife will leave the world. Mary is your family member. She will live when the black cloud covers the world. Lisa is sitting on top of a high grassy hill. She's broken hearted at the sight before her eyes. So much destruction. So many tramping feet. No, that's wrong. So many shells of people. They look empty inside, just moving forward because they can. The last eight weeks have changed their world on the farm. The Germans have fully taken over. The family, along with most of the townspeople, who got away in time, are living in fear of starvation, never mind being found. The Germans have been pushed back from the coast, also shells of their former selves. Will it ever end, whispered Lisa. Lisa is on outlook duty. Without a word, she is relieved and makes her way back to the safe house basement where Paula now 
lies as if sleeping. It is a wonder to everyone how she is surviving. The villagers had been lucky. Word had been passed on from the villages nearer the coast. Time to go into hiding. Some listened and some did not. Lisa and her family headed straight to Philip's house, creeping through the dark, carrying what they could. Thank God for the field-hidden entrance. Only Doc and the two families knew about it. Lisa had to lie down in the grass many times, crawling, staying as low as she can. The Germans live in both houses now. Lisa was glad she had spent some time out in the open air today. At least we are living under the barn and not the house. We are a lot luckier than most. The farm fruit and vegetables are stored here. Lisa smiled. God knows there's little to smile about at the moment. It's happened again. I'm on the move. I can feel it. She's heading towards a bed. Now she knows by the sounds and smells that she has returned. It is dark as she tentatively slowly opens her eyes. Lisa smiles, putting a hand on Paula's mouth and one finger on her own. Looking into Lisa's eyes, Paula knows she must not make a sound. She could hear people up above. Paula had no idea who they were, but they were definitely having sex and seemed to be enjoying it. It seemed to go on for hours. At least, at last, they seemed to be satisfied, the man saying, take what fruit and vegetables you can carry. It is the satisfied German voice. Oh no, thought Paula. What have I returned to? Lisa now removed the hand from across Paula, Paula's, giving Paula a sad smile. Paula nods back to Lisa, Paula letting Lisa know she understands the situation. Their eyes speaking just as loud as word, words. Paula was becoming aware. There was a lot more people down here than normal. Obvious things have gotten a lot worse while I've been gone, she thought. No one spoke or moved for about a half an hour. She lay there trying to piece things together, but she couldn't. Then there was the sound of someone moving. She heard Philip's voice whisper. It's all clear. Philip, Paula woke while they were here. Lisa said. The room became animated, as a room can under such circumstances. In a moment, Philip was smiling down at her with tears in his eyes. You picked a great time to rejoin us, he said. Doc appeared from behind Philip's shoulder, smiling at her. He came forward and sat down by the bed, taking her wrist to take her pulse as he did.
You're a, an amazing woman, sighed Doc. I have no idea how you survived all these weeks. Medicine would say it was not possible, but I have watched you throughout it all. You have been resting peacefully the full time. Everything stayed level. Just then Grandma arrived. Doc got up to let her sit on the side of the bed. This lady, he said, smiling at Grandma, may have had a lot to do with it. Grandma was holding a jam jar wrapped in a piece of cloth. This is what we are reduced to, she sighed sadly, looking at the jam jar. Still, we are lucky they were stored down here. They have been a great comfort. Do you think you can? we can help you sit up? asked Lisa. Paula nodded. Doc and Lisa are easing Paula into a sitting position. Grandma takes a spoon from her apron pocket and starts to spoon a warm, soothing liquid into Paula's mouth. Grandma has been making this for you every day, said Lisa. Lisa. The earth gives us all we need if we would just listen to it, Grandma smiled and she winked at Paula. Over the next couple of days, things began to fall into place. Most painful of all, the memory of Paul's death. Early one morning, Bee, Philip's mother, came and sat on the bed. I see from your face you are reliving Paul's death. I want you to know we talked about it. I know he was your fiancé. All is safe with me. I want you to know I am here for you. Paula's eyes filled with tears. She could not stop. Let it out. With what you've been through, no one will be surprised to see tears.